This is the Amner Martinez Podcast. Welcome to the Amner Martinez Podcast. My name is Amner Martinez, and I will be your host. I am an immigrant from the country of Guatemala, and I've been living in Iowa since 1995. My professional background is in the staffing and recruiting industry, and I have been heavily involved in the local entertainment scene for the last 12 years. In this podcast, I will be sharing conversations with local people in entertainment, business, sports, nonprofits, food, arts, and culture. So stick around for some great conversations. And go. And we're back. All right. So thank you, everybody, for coming back to the Amner Martinez podcast. This is episode 18. And um, that sounded kind of weird, right? It sounded a little cool. Remember Medium? Yes. Medium de Dios. Yes. Um, uh, this next guest, we went to high school with her in Perry, Iowa. And um, now she is the CEO of Policy Works. When I started this idea of the podcast, I she was one of the first ones that I wanted to speak with. Um, but she got pregnant. And then so, you know, we had to wait almost a year later. And she was kind enough to come and um, share her wisdom with us. Uh, she's a CEO, a mother a Mexican-American, you know, all those ingredients, um, we talk about how all that plays out in her, in her life, in her career. So yeah, we talked about the pay gap. I mean, these last two episodes, that all of them are very educational, by the way, but this one, you will be smarter because nice. you'll know more like about that, well, like I the mean, ITIN that, numbers. That was her. Huh? Like always, even like in middle school. Yeah. You like the Batman thing I got going? Yeah, you you that's, you try to sound like a gangster. That's uh, <laughs> it's the thing. It's a thing. It's a, we well, how are we gonna talk about the second thing? Yeah, <laughs> talk about the first thing. No, um, no, I remember Miriam from middle school, mm-hmm. and uh, she was always the the kid that knew like stuff from the books, right? And. Uh, yeah, if you had a question, you know, Miriam was going to know. She was yeah. the one that was going to know. Yeah. Of course, I never asked her because <laughs> I was a terrible student. Um, <laughs> I was like the biggest piece of shit <laughs> in my middle school. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was easy to, you know, look up to Miriam. Yeah. Know? I was very proud yeah. of Miriam because she was always like, you know, Got all the honorable mentions, all the, uh, you know, whatever. Whatever yeah. the hell they do in school. <laughs> <laughs> when they go to school. Well, yeah, when, like, you're smart, you know, they give you all the, all the perks got of all being those. smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they are. But, you know, I, she always did really, really well. And yeah. She was notorious for being academically uh, uh, superior. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I think that carried on through college, and now she's carrying it on through her career, which is interesting because, you know, we do the Warren Morrow Latin Music Festival. She was mentored by Warren, pretty much. Mm. And she talks about it on the podcast, how she, you know, uh, her career 
um, how early in her career she ran into um, Warren and she worked under him for several years until sadly he passed away and then that's when she became the CEO of Copera. Copera. So there's a lot of connections, the universe. This is one of those yeah. universal like, connections where everything kind of comes. Yeah, I mean, when we first started the the Warren uh, Music Festival, she was one of the first that came to mind. Obviously, she was um, working with him. So, so she was one of the original board members, organizers of the, yeah, of the Now Festival. That. So... So um, yeah, I, w- uh, I was kind of intimidated because she's she's very smart and she's like yeah, but she's not an asshole, dude. I like, know, like I... you're the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why you were intimidated, right? She's very nice. Yeah, she's yeah. super kind. She's never been like, oh, dude, yeah. I'm smart, you're stupid. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. she's always been super down to earth. Yeah, super cool. And you know what? It's it's really funny that you say that because I just. Think back on those days, like back in the, you know, like, you know, like guys were like, oh, medium de Dios, you know, and then, but they would never talk to her. Yeah. Because, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm like dirt. You know? <laughs> like, she'll never talk to me. Yeah. Know? So it's really funny. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, like you said, like proud, like that's, she's one of the, you know, uh, members of our community that make you proud to say like, yeah, oh I yeah, know for Miriam, sure, you know? for sure, and uh, yeah, that that that's definitely the best. And then she still has that, you know, that uh, that aura mm-hmm. of like, hey man, you know, um, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, and so she, so the the type of work that she does, it it's very meaningful to the community. I mean, it it impacts. Um, the the latino community immigrant community and it she's passionate about it like she, she's not just you know on a random job that she right, right, um, right. no it's just like the the thing i was saying is that she never breaks you know <laughs> it's like she's like this perfect person <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i wonder if we'll ever see her like you know <laughs> be mean <laughs> You know, like uh, hitting rock bottom, and you know, like, <laughs> not that we want to. Of course not, you know, but, yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's just like a fun thought. Yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> like, are you going to crack at one point? Yeah. No, I'm sure she's had her, you know, struggles, and she does talk a little bit about some struggles that. You know, being a woman in that CEO world, sure. you know, um, I mean, if I walk into a room of uh, people on an important meeting, business meeting or something, mm-hmm. that alone is intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she talks about that, how, you know, her being not, not only the only woman, but the only the youngest woman and the only minority youngest woman. So, um I'm sure she's had her struggles and curves that she had that she's had to uh, overcome. I mean, think about it. I mean, no, she's the yeah. CEO. I, I was just of a making company. a joke. No, I know, yeah, I know, I know. Like, it's, uh, no, no, but I wanted. No, I, I, like, I recognize. Her yeah, challenges. being the CEO um, of a company. I don't know what the hell that means because I'm not, you know. So um, that's gonna be. It's gonna be some 
weight that comes with that. You're kind of like the the CEO of Bitch Company. (laughs) (laughs) The chairman and CEO of Bitch Co. (laughs) The only one stakeholder. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, so I'm really happy that this conversation took place. Uh, Very informational. Um, you know, listen to it, um, share it, follow the podcast and, um, yeah, still having fun doing this. Still got a few more coming up and I don't know what else you got. Nothing. Nothing. Do you want to talk about the impeachment process? Uh, No, not not really. It's not hot enough right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's Um, talk about it next time. Uh, I'm sure it'll be hotter. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Miriam de Dios Woodward, the CEO of Policy Works on the Emner Martinez podcast. Peace. Well, you got to get it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is new to me. Yeah. It's so like we're at a radio done, station. Have you done, uh, <laughs> have you done podcast before? Have you I done, have. Like, you you know, what's funny is I just did one last week. Okay. Yes. Where at? But it what, was just, it? just in my office. Okay. Yeah, it uh, through a credit union kind of. Um, it's a credit union podcast. Someone. It's Ooh. called See You Insight. So they okay. do all sorts of media and articles, all related all related to the credit union industry. And the the CEO founder of that actually okay. recently moved away from it, and now he's starting this whole podcast series. So oh. he reached out, and we did a podcast. He actually reached out before. I was on maternity leave as well and I was yeah. pregnant. So then I'm like, okay, we got to move everything yeah, to like yeah. later in the year. So yeah. thank you for being flexible too. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I, I mean, this is like a hobby slash uh, therapy for me. It's <laughs> okay. Becoming, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's becoming uh, like uh, I would never, if somebody would be like, get up on stage and talk, I would be like, no, no <laughs> way. I can't. Oh my gosh, I think and you'd now, be great. Now I'm getting a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of open up. Like I, I've been finding that people get really brave when they're on the, behind a microphone. Well, you know mm-hmm. that like you do a lot of uh, talks, no? I do. And I did a lot more at Copreda. Uh-huh. But I mean, I'm starting to do a bit more now. Yes. And like webinars are a big thing too, uh-huh, kind of yeah. in the business world. Yeah. But you can do those. Yeah. I mean, it's behind a phone, you know, yeah. it could be at your desk. You're kind of scrolling through a PowerPoint, but then the face-to-face ones, yes. Because I was but, actually, ju- I just did a workshop last week. Okay. No. Yeah, last week. So, and that was face-to-face. Yeah. Like in front of how many people? Like you Oh, did. yeah. We had, uh, and that one we had about probably close to 50 people. And it was a very specific topic. We were talking about how credit unions can lend to immigrants mm-hmm. and specifically do ITIN mortgages. So, okay. Um, so now that I'm at PolicyWorks, I talk about the compliance side of that, like the basically letting them know that they can do this, that they can serve immigrants, because many okay. times they think they can't. They thought they were breaking the law. Correct. So an ITIN number is I-T-I-N. Individual Taxpayer ID Number. Okay. And that is just like a alternative social security number? Good question. So it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a taxpaying ID number. So it's, it's a little bit different than a social security number because it's mm-hmm. actually issued by the IRS instead of the social security administration. 
So it's issued by the IRS to individuals that don't qualify for a social security number, but that are earning income and need to pay taxes. So the IRS says, you need to pay your taxes. Uh, doesn't matter what your working situation is. When did that start? When did the ITIN number start? Oh, that's start? been around for a while. Forever. Okay, well, so I don't know about forever, but it's been around it's been for around. a while. Mm-hmm. So was that specifically started for people that are undocumented or is this just a... So it's not just for people that are undocumented, but the majority of people who have an ITIN number are undocumented. So there could be other situations um, that would qualify for that. So... I mean, you could be just an immigrant, maybe a a business person in the country who has some business in the U.S. and, you know, somehow is earning income. You're not necessarily, you know, a a resident or a citizen, uh, but you need to file taxes. So you you can have an ITIN number. So if I have a, if I'm a U.S. citizen or a resident or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I start my business, they give me a... uh, EIN. EIN number. Or employer identification number. That's different, right? Because that's for the business Mm -hmm. entity versus the individual. Okay. So both the ITIN and the social security number are for an individual. Okay. Yes. And financial institutions can accept ITIN numbers to open accounts that are interest-bearing or to provide loans. So, so when did they start saying, hey, people can use this too as a way of... I think for a while, and actually, in fact, I think even before like the financial crisis, it was mm-hmm. a little bit more, I, I'm not going to say mainstream, but more financial institutions did it. I mean, large banks used to accept it. Mm-hmm. I think after the financial crisis, it was, um, what happened is that there were more regulations around account opening and and lending in financial institutions. So, you know, with that, there was probably just a little bit more fear about, you know, the unknown. And so I think some financial institutions stopped accepting it because they just didn't know what it would mean. And they have to follow more rules and regulations now after the the financial crisis. So many stopped. Um, And, I mean, lately, it's it's something well at Copera that we've been talking about mm-hmm. when I was at Copera since mm-hmm. it first began. Yeah. Um, but now there's a bit more interest to some degree, and, and I work in the credit union space, you know, so yeah. they're very community-oriented financial yeah. institutions. Um, so it's, I mean, there's a little bit of a resurgence of it, but I mean, I wish every financial institution uh, accepted so, it. So policy works you are saying you're not breaking the law. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying there's nothing that prohibits a financial institution from accepting an ITIN number and from serving immigrants. And Uh in fact, the regulatory bodies, um, so the National Credit Union Administration, which is the equivalent of the FDIC for banks, Uh um, encourages, you know, credit unions to serve their community. And that Uh includes immigrant populations. So, they want you to serve immigrant populations. Is that what they'll use to file their taxes to? The ITIN number, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So an individual who has an ITIN number, that's specifically what that number is used for. It's to file taxes. And I wonder why they, why employers are not able to use that in to mm. hire someone. Correct. Well, I mean, that is the case. You cannot because in the U.S. you do need a social security number to work. To a work. A social security number... Um, does not, uh, so let me, let me take that back. The ITIN number has nothing to do with your immigration status. Right. So okay. the, the social security number is what you would need. Yeah. So right then. But it's still issued by the same. 
Social Security number is issued by Social Security Administration. Oh, administration. not the IRS. No, okay. IRS is different. Yeah, so two different government agencies. Okay. Now, I see. you may wonder, though, okay, somebody who has an ITIN number, yeah. they're filing taxes because they're earning income, yeah. likely they're working, <laughs> yes. right? So yeah. to work in the U.S., you need a Social Security number. Yeah. So guess what? You know, people who have an ITIN number are likely using a Social Security number to yeah. work, but it... You know, there's all sorts of situations. It may not be theirs. It could be a made-up number. All you know, I mean, um, all sorts of situations yeah. there. But the IRS says, basically, I don't care. Okay. I want you to pay taxes. Right, right, right. It doesn't matter what your work situation yeah. is. And so that you may wonder. I mean, creates a lot of it. it creates a lot of questions for financial institutions. Yeah. Well, you're telling me, mm-hmm. you know, somebody can get an ITIN number, but yet they're working and they have a social security number. So then what number am I supposed to yeah. accept? So that is another reason why there's a lot of confusion around this, just yeah. not a lot of awareness of what, you know, these numbers are. And, yeah. you know, again, what, what can be accepted to open an account. And so that's, that's where, you know, compliance kind of comes in. And where we're providing a bit more awareness of yeah, that, because so, I wonder sometimes, I mean, h- how many millions of uh, undocumented people are working, right? Like we're talking over ten million. A lot. I mean, people are here to work usually, right? right? <laughs> so, um, and so let's say they're using a made-up social security number, made-up name. I mean, sometimes, sometimes to be it honest, could be, sometimes yeah. they do take a, they do use other identities. But a lot of the times, they use just a makeup number, made up name, made up everything, right? Mm-hmm. So the employers hire them. They pay. They they do payroll taxes, so they get deducted for their payroll taxes. Um, and a lot of them don't file their taxes because they're scared to be even like trying to get some money back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always I wonder mean, where that money don't. goes. Right. I mean, I think it just sits there and it keeps building, you know, if it's Social Security, it keeps going into Social Security. So, yes, I mean, immigrants are paying into the fund that's actually Mm -hmm. not benefiting them. It's benefiting, you know, other U.S. citizens. And I think that a lot of people don't get that part, right? Mm -hmm. Like, besides the contributing to the economy, buying right homes and cars and yes, starting sales businesses taxes, and sales I mean, yeah, taxes. We, mm-hmm. just the fact that they're working they're already contributing into yes something that they're not benefiting themselves correct and it is millions of dollars i know i've seen some studies and you know yeah. the statistics around that i don't have the numbers in front of me but it's it's a lot of money yeah it's a huge contribution i think i think last time i saw any number was like around 11 million and that was a few years ago that was like this in terms of undocumented, undocumented yes. workers that mm-hmm. are in the system um, and a lot of them are not, you know, filing their taxes and getting anything back because they just don't want to mess with that whole, right. like, I think the way they look at it is, um, it's not worth it. You know, it's not worth me getting some refund for me to be like, Oh, look there. To call know. attention to myself. And yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's, that's the situation. The, that's where that word living in the shadows come in, right? That That's one of them. One. Yeah. Cause you're like. Now nah, I'll pass. I'm not going to uh I'm not going to do that. Well, and depending on where you live, right? I mean, there's some cities that are I mean, you know, you think of Arizona and 
you know, certain areas there where there's a lot of profiling going on. Yeah. So talk about living in the shadows. I mean, and yeah. if you don't have a driver's license and, you know, so yes, it, it, it can be driving, right? I it mean, just, those are even, yeah, bigger yeah. situations. Yeah, I mean, yeah. literally people don't want to leave their homes or be seen, you know, yeah. too often. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember feeling like that ever? Well, um, so we, I think, you know, my immigration journey was a little bit different. Uh Um, You know, when we came to the country, we were sponsored by my dad Uh and he actually obtained his permanent residency through, I want to say, I think it was the, um, gosh, uh, it was like the mid eighties when there was an immigration and control act for people that were living in the U.S. and mm-hmm. working already, um, they could obtain their residency. And so he qualified for that. I think he was working in Napa Valley uh, picking oh, okay. grapes at the time. Okay. Um, so he got his permanent residency, and then he sponsored us. Okay. Um, and so that's we, we, right away we started our journey. And so I was a, a temporary resident first, uh, then I was a permanent resident, okay, okay, and then okay. I became a U.S. citizen. But I it see. took a while for yeah. that. Um so, yes, I mean, it was, I, I remember going through that process because yeah. in my family, I, you know, I was the one to help with a lot of interpretation yeah. and, um, you know, at that time we lived in California and then we moved to Iowa. And so, you know, just learning about where to go when we came to Iowa, yeah. you know, going to, I think it was, yeah, Nebraska, um, to the immigration center there for different things and yeah. just always being on alert as to when, you know, we would get our permanent there's residency. This comedian, there's this comedian that's like, uh, being interpreting for your parents is, is you know, like you're in school and uh, people are asking for questions about math and you're like, how do you fill out this tax form? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're taking notes so yeah. you could bring it. It's so true. Yeah. I, well, in my family, I was the first one to learn English, right? Yeah. So yeah. immediately I was the interpreter. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, early. And you're not like asked if you want to. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I mean, this is your duty, right? Yes, it is yes. your responsibility. Yeah. And so being the oldest too. Right. And you know what? I hated it because I had to help with everything. Right. So, I mean, the the worst thing for me was making phone calls. So I do remember, you know, if something would be wrong on a bill, um, you know, then it's like, well, we need to call and fix it. Miriam, you need to go. And I was like, oh, I hate calling people. Like to this day, I have a phobia. Yeah. Um, You know, I do it because I had to. child talking to an adult (laughs) on the other line about like really serious situations. Yes. And I mean, that was throughout my childhood. Yeah. You know, I remember when we, well, when, when we first moved to Iowa, we bought our first house. And so going through the mortgage process oh, and yeah. all of that, and I was the interpreter, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like, <laughs> I, I mean, luckily I think we got a good deal, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and you know, it's I don't crazy. know if it's the same in your family, but you're, you're only trusting of certain people and yeah. you, you know, you start with your family first. Yeah. And no, it was the same thing. It was, I mean, it was four of us. I was the youngest, but, um, I was the one that handled the language better. Uh-huh. Um, so it was mostly me, sometimes my brother. Um, so we all kind of share the, uh-huh. the the thing. But I remember just like, no. And then it was <laughs> yes. just like, who we're going to take this time? And you're just <laughs> hoping that it's not you. But you, you're the oldest. So it was me. you. <laughs> yes. Yes. My gosh. Uh, but, you know, looking back on it, it's like, yes, you, you didn't like to do it. But it's like this uh, awesome memory, right? How does the how does the credit union industry compete with like this gigantic banks mm-hmm. or like how do they because um, these banks have lobbyists, right? Like they have lobbyists 
in Washington to kind of help them shift and influence some policies. They do, right? yes. So where is the credit union compared to those banks? Like? Yes. Well, credit unions also have lobbyists. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a national trade association called the Credit Union National Association, CUNA. And a big part of what they do is lobbying. I mean, they, they have offices in D.C. They're constantly trying to, you know, pass favorable legislation to credit unions or when, when legislation is presented, you know, they want to make sure that um, nothing, you know, is adverse to, to credit unions. So yeah. um, they're they're on it. Um, and, and again, this is a big part of what they do every day. So that's how they kind of combat what's going on with the banks. Now that's at a national level. Um, and then at a state level, we also have the Iowa Credit Union League, okay. which is a trade association for credit unions in the state. Um, mm. They do a lot of advocacy as well. So from a state perspective, they would do, you know, similar things as CUNA. Um, and here in Iowa, we do have a very contentious um, state when it comes to banks and credit unions. You know, the, okay. the banks and usually the, the biggest issue that banks have against credit unions is that they want credit unions to pay taxes, even though credit unions do pay mm-hmm. taxes, Um like want them to pay more taxes and uh-huh. their their spiel is always they you know they want credit unions to be on the same level as banks in that regard however what they don't mention is that there's a fundamental difference between credit unions and banks yeah credit unions are non-profit financial okay. institutions okay. and if you open an account at a credit union you become a member of a cre- of that credit union and a member owner you actually own the credit union okay the board of directors is also volunteer driven they're not paid directors okay. yeah um, so now compare that to a bank structure, which is a for-profit yeah, yeah, structure, yeah. right? Yeah. You also have typically the board of directors is a paid board, board. of directors. Yeah. When you open an account there, you're just a customer. You know that you don't own the credit union. Yeah. Um, you know you couldn't run for the board of directors like you can at a credit union. Uh, um, and because of that credit union structure, structure and philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also very, you know, in tune with community needs, and usually, you know, they're they're much more ingrained in the community. And they're, even their location, right? Just like correct. their physical yes, location. Correct. Um, and so there is a fundamental difference yeah. there. And so, you know, uh, the trade associations, whether state or national are constantly reminding legislators of this, that there is a fundamental difference. Um, You know, if you tax credit unions more, eventually that's going to be filtered down to the members. So it's because of the nonprofit structure. Mm -hmm. It's just very different than than banks. Uh, So So I was meeting, I met with um, Victor. Yes, Victor Corro. Yeah, Victor Uh Corro from Coopera. And uh, so we talked for like an hour, um, but we talked a little bit about the so you're saying that some of the um education has to be on the legislative side right like even they want to treat banks and and credit unions the same they're not but also like on the consumer on the consumer side or membership side um because i've been i've been using credit union for like 10 plus years or more and i was like done with you know i did all the banks bank of america wells fargo and I was like, you know what, screw this. It just doesn't <laughs> work for me. Um, so because, you know, all these fees, all the overdraft fees that they do, um, that was like mine, my my, <laughs> my big, biggest pet peeve. But, uh, um, but 
just with all the fraud that's been happening, like, mm-hmm. fraud, like just in your face, you know, I mean, Wells Fargo comes up with a fraud scandal like every six months. They're in the news a lot. Right? Like, so how do they, how do, like, I'm like, how does anybody trust that bank? Like, how are you still banking with them? So my question is this. Some, a lot of people are still using these big banks, not knowing that there's credit unions that um, are, uh, like, they have more, uh, it's the same service, right, Right. essentially. Right. Um, So how do you, how do you educate the consumer to be like, why, why are you banking over there? Yes. I mean, you have a huge reason already. Like, this bank, they do fraud. They fraud people. So, like, um, how do you, how do you combat that? That's a good question. I think, you know, there's there's a lot of pull that, that banks have. And I, I mean, I, I see it all the time. Convenience might be, you know, a, a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at Wells Fargo. They have a huge national footprint, right? Yeah. I mean, ATMs everywhere, branches everywhere. And then specifically when it comes to how they serve the immigrant community. Mm-hmm. They have everything in Spanish when it comes to serving oh, Hispanics. Okay, you know, okay. I mean, they, they developed a homegrown remittance program, for example, that's, you know, pretty cheap if you also have, you know, a, a bigger relationship with them and use other products and services. So, you know, they have lots of hooks to yeah. keep people there yeah. that I think, you know, that's probably the biggest thing to overcome mm-hmm. um, for some folks. However, I'd say the biggest opportunity, though, for credit unions is, you know, to look at those who truly don't have any financial institution account. So yes, there's people that, that are banking at the big banks and there's, you know, just more awareness and and education, you know, potentially can bring them over and just letting them know, Hey, you can get the same thing here. And it's a completely different structure. You know, we, um, we, we care about the community and, you know, we, our fees are different and, and look like this, but there's also people that don't have an account necessarily anywhere or they may have a savings account somewhere but they're using the check cashers they're using um you know maybe payday lenders in some cases so there's another whole you know sophisticated network of non-financial institutions who can do the same thing for you and a lot of our community starts off using a lot of those you know a lot of those institutions like i think about my experience and you know when we first um, and came to the country. I remember going with my dad to get his check cashed at, I think it was like a, maybe a local grocery store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hy-Vee used to cash all the right. checks. And mm-hmm. this was even in, in California. So oh, he would okay. cash his check and you know, he'd get, um, that he'd get money orders uh-huh. and I'd help him fill them out. And those would, we'd use those to pay bills uh-huh. and, you know, we yes. drive to wherever to pay the bill with a money order. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes he would need to send money to relatives in Mexico. So then we'd go back to the grocery store and, you know, you'd use like a Vigo or there's all sorts of remittance shops, right? Okay. Yeah. Never did he use a financial institution account. Yeah. So we have a good portion of our community who is yeah. still unbanked or underbanked. Okay. Um, and so there's a huge opportunity there. And I'd say it's probably, I mean, there's, it still has its challenges, but I believe it's going to be easier for credit unions to provide more awareness and yeah. um, hopefully, you know, bring those folks to credit unions versus somebody who's really entrenched with Wells Fargo because they like the convenience. They may not care about what they see on the news, you know, and they have, all of their accounts set up through direct deposit and it's going to be very hard to get them, you know, out of that situation. But 
folks who have never had an experience before with you know, a, a financial institution, I think that's that's a huge opportunity for credit unions. And that's what Coopera does a lot of as well to provide awareness to credit unions and say, hey, there's this whole population here where you don't have to fight the banks right. around that. It's more about actually going against the payday lenders and the check cashers yeah, and, um, and all those folks. Does that make sense? Yes. So so you must hear like you must hear like horrible stories because I think uh, Kenya told me that uh, one of the latest stories that you heard is that somebody had thousands of dollars under their bed or something and it burned or something like that because they're like, they just don't have any trust or they just didn't know how to do any of it. Yes. Do you, had, when you were at Copera or now, like what's the story that stands out? Oh, we've, we've heard all of those stories. Um, and you'd think, you know, you hear it and you're like, wow, I mean, are people still doing that? Right. Yes, it happens. I mean, I've, I've heard all sorts of stories from credit unions. Um, you know, one, uh, this was, I mean, a good situation, but they had somebody who came in and was interested in buying a home. And um, they're like, here's my $40,000 that I have been saving <laughs> to purchase my home. And they brought all of that with them. Yeah. So, you know, again, saving it at home and yeah. just think about the the security of that at yeah, home, yeah, yeah. right? So I believe, you know, Kenya's story that, I, I mean, just think about it. Money can get robbed all the time or yes. I mean, and then if you, have that kind and, of, if you have that, that amount of money, questions start to raise, right? Like, where did you get all this? Money? Well, that's another thing. So you can see how that creates questions for yeah. a financial institution, right? Yes, mm -hmm. because their processes of working with people in, in the mainstream who have had accounts for a while are very different. So yes, when somebody yeah. comes in with 40 grand, you're like, like you're telling me you save this yeah. over how long? Yes. How'd you come across the money? So they may be more suspicious. You don't, I mean, it's just, a, it, it's different. And so that's part of the work that Copera does as well to yeah. bring more awareness of, of culture and, you know, why somebody would save money over time like that, maybe because they didn't have access to a financial institution in the past. And so when that happens, credit union, what do you do? You know, you don't want to um, cause, you know, alarm and maybe send the person away because it's an opportunity for yeah. you and you just have to understand where they're coming from yeah yes so there's a lot of hard work that needs to be done then to like reaching out to to those customers or you they're already it. doing their banking on their own they are yeah <laughs> because like, you have to you have bring, to figure yeah. it out right i mean if yeah. you're working you need a way to pay bills you need a way yeah. to send money home so people figure it out and they're gonna go where their friends tell them where family tells them you know where people speak their language yeah. and a lot of these places have all of that it's super convenient they're in the neighborhood you know they have family that works there already so that's that's the biggest challenge for credit unions is yeah. it like is there something similar like that for like uh other countries like i see a lot of uh, people from different african countries a lot of immigrants mm -hmm. that are, a lot of asian immigrants uh -huh. you know as <laughs> As far as I'm aware of in the credit union industry, there really isn't any other organization that does what Coopera does. <coughs> and I mean, you know, you you knew Warren and, mm -hmm. um, and, and Max, and when they started the organization, Coopera, it was focused on Hispanic immigrants because mm -hmm. that's the background mm -hmm. everybody has. Right. And even today, all of the employees at Coopera, they're, you know, they're, they're bicultural, they're Hispanic, they're yeah. bilingual. Um, what has happened, and, and I experienced this when, when I was there, is that as we started to work with credit unions on their 
Hispanic outreach program, mm-hmm. then they would start to kind of build a template or a model that they could replicate you right. know, with other with other communities. Uh, Coopera couldn't help them with understanding the culture of Asian immigrants or African immigrants. Sure. However, you know, the process to to build more awareness like internally and buy-in, you know, th- those are very similar steps yeah, that yeah, they yeah, could yeah. apply. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that speaks volumes of the Latino community, right? Like mm-hmm. we're, there's some leadership, right? Like there's, I mean, because the abundance, the numbers already by numbers, like millions. We're yes. About 60 um, million right. in the U.S. Yes. So, um, there's a, uh, uh, I, I think what that tells me is just, you know, the, the Latino is always kind of in the leadership role when it comes to progressing, at least is the biggest um, um, minority is that it is the biggest minority yes by the year i believe 2050 yeah hispanics are going to be one in three u.s residents today they're one in six uh so yes and in terms of numbers and volume like you said it is the largest minority and this is an inevitable oh yes and in some states it's it's already happened california um i believe hispanics are the majority uh, so it it is inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whether you want it or not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's the fight that like I think in the political realm, it's it's a little bit of a pushback, right? But um, I think people need to come to grasp that it's not like a um, it wasn't like a game plan, right? Like let's do this, you know. It just happened. Let's take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> the U.S. anyway. Yeah. So. You seem very proud of uh, and love what you do. What is it that, I mean, your Latino hood, by the way, first, let me let me get <laughs> this out, out of the way. How do you, that Latinx, where are you with yeah. that term? Um, I've seen a lot of stuff, like, I didn't understand it at first. I'm like, what is it? I'm starting to hear more and like, I'm reading more and I'm kind of watching uh, things more that I'm, okay, I get it. Where do you, where are you at with that? <laughs> well, clearly you haven't heard me use it, right? Okay. So I'm not there yet. <laughs> I and and I hear Latinx more yeah. and more, but to be honest, I mean I haven't. It's like I haven't associated with it, so yeah. I don't use it. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't, and and not because I don't, you know, I don't want to, or it's anything negative to me yeah. by any means. It's just I'm used to either saying Latino or Hispanic, yeah. um, and so that's what I default to. Yeah. But I think I need a to really dig into it more because it is, I, well, I just saw something I I'm think, on social same, media about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the same same kind of level with you as far as like, it's not that I'm, uh, I just, I'm not, I'm not relating to it. So right. it's, so I don't That's, use yes. it. Um, I guess what I'm hearing is that, uh, and reading is that it's for um, a lot to do with like gender base. Right. So it's more like, inclusive. More inclusive yes. to somebody that is, um, queer or you know they don't have they don't want to claim anything so they just go latinx yes um, because latino is you know male mm, dominant yeah, and then yeah, you have yeah. latina so i i mean i understand yeah, that yeah. yeah i get it but um i was kind of wanting to get your your yeah. uh so you you identify <laughs> <laughs> what am i <laughs> yeah you're you're latina i is am it? but you know this is interesting because i would say if you know in in most settings I would probably defer to being, you know, Mexican American. Okay. I tend to associate myself with with my country of origin first. Sure. And then it's then it's Latino right. um, or Latina right. or or Hispanic. I think from a business perspective, you know, you I, I 
I use both terms, Hispanic, Latino, and I've noticed that there are preferences, you know, in certain parts of the state, people yeah. might use one versus the other, or they have a negative connotation of Hispanic because it wasn't a name that actually came from the community itself. Latino right. actually did. So, mm -hmm. you know, so, but at the same time, again, use both of those, but I might, I, I default usually when people ask me to describe myself, I'm usually, you know, Mexican American first. Yeah. Or I'm okay. a Mexican immigrant. Um, okay. You know, is, is where I start. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yes. Yeah. So that you're let your Mexican hood does that <laughs> is that is that a big uh, component of like of what drives you and what makes you love this? Uh, is it your immigrantness? Is it your womanhoodness? Like what? <laughs> It's all of it, Amber. It's all of it. <laughs> you know what? What's interesting about that is, well, kind of going back to when I was in college, I knew that I wanted to study business. You know, mm. this was something even before I went to college. It's like this, there's something about business that I like, and mm -hmm. I'm drawn to it. So I knew right away that that was the area, the field that I wanted to go into. As I started to learn more about it, and then started to work outside of uh, well, just in the real world, if you will, through internships, I learned that I could actually bring my Mexican hood or, you know, my culture, my uh -huh. background, my language to business. And uh -huh. for some reason, I never, you know, I had never thought of, of business in that way before, you know, having these kind of real life experiences. So mm -hmm. my first internship was at State Farm Insurance. Uh -huh. And actually, my supervisor was Christina Fernandez. Oh. She was Fernandez at the time because she wasn't oh. she wasn't married to Warren yet. Okay. Um, and side note, but I mean through her is how I got connected to Warren, which is how I ended up at Copera. Oh wow. Um, but at that internship, she she led essentially the Hispanic outreach efforts for State Farm. Uh -huh. And so um, for kind of the agency field office here um, in, in, in Des Moines. And so seeing that, hey, there's this large corporation who sees an opportunity to serve the market, you know, to connect with the culture, like we would be at the Latino Heritage Festival mm -hmm. and, and do things like that. I'm like, wow, uh, you know, this is really neat. I can not only bring my my interest in business to what I do every day, but my culture. So right. that opened up my eyes to, you know, actually seeking more of those opportunities. Um, my next internship, I worked for John Deere uh -huh. Financial. At, I mean, at the time it was credit, they've changed their name. And I mean, I started like in the marketing world. Um, I, I, I tried to see how I can bring my culture to, you know, what we did there, but there was never really that opportunity. Uh -huh. And so I was like, well, why isn't every organization right. doing yeah, this, yeah, right? Yeah. If we are the fastest growing market, if we're like the youngest, you know, market in the U.S., it seems to me from a business perspective, every business should be looking at this why consumer. Why are you not tapping into exactly. this? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, and I feel I have something to bring to the table. I can, I can relate to the community. Not only am I, uh, you know, am I Latina, but I'm also, um, I'm also an immigrant and, yeah. you know, there's perspective that I can bring to that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that didn't happen there necessarily and, and I was fine. And then I get a call from Christina that says, Hey, you know, Warren has started this company and it's focused on this and they're looking for someone, you know, with a marketing background, would oh, you be nice. interested? And I was like, okay, let's check this out. Yeah. And I met Warren and I was like, yes, well, you know, you, you knew Warren. Yeah. I was like, who is this visionary person, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just amazing. I was like, heck yeah, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And here again, I can actually bring my culture and my background to what I do. So, um, I mean, that's just been a life learning 
thing for me that, you know, now having these experiences, I want to be able to do that in whatever, whatever I'm doing. So you think about my work at PolicyWorks, it's very different than Coopera at the same time. I bring, you know, that experience and, and know that there's an opportunity for, for credit unions in the compliance world, even, you know, when it comes to serving immigrants, which is a bigger opportunity from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. So do you think that it was like by default that you kind of landed in this role? Like, where do you see that? I mean, initially, maybe it was just through luck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I kind of tried to be more intentional about it. Yes. So, okay. it, you know, it kind of changed. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, when after having that initial experience at State Farm, it's like, ooh, I like this. Mm-hmm. And I went on to my next career opportunity and that was missing. And I, you know, I started okay. to realize, oh, this is missing. Um, I, I wasn't. So finance was you knew that like that, that is that what State Farm did? Uh, well, insurance. Insurance. Okay, yep. okay. And I studied marketing and management in okay. college. So, okay. you know, broader kind of business context. Okay. Um, so the business part, you're like, okay, I know yeah. business and, I like. And I, yes. But you were missing that yes, other component. Yes, mm-hmm. And then I, I tried to seek it throughout my career and just mm-hmm. making sure that I, I could contribute that to whatever I'm doing. And it speaks to, like I mentioned, something broader, which is just the opportunity for diversity and inclusion, which is important to me. I mean, I see... I see the benefit of that. I've seen the benefit of that in, in past jobs and, you know, what I've done. And I want to make sure that I bring that to whatever organization I'm leading or, or that I'm a part of. So yeah. that's why it's important to me now at PolicyWorks. So with PolicyWorks, are they only, is, is that their, the main concentration on, on that? Or is there any other industries that they, that they are interested in or that they already work with? Good question. Today, it's it's mostly credit unions because uh-huh. PolicyWorks is a sister company to Cooperas. Okay. Um, we're both owned by the Iowa Credit Union League, which is the trade association for credit unions in the state. So our roots come from credit unions, and, and that's largely who we're working with. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe we have an opportunity to serve other industries as well. Um, yeah. And so that's one of the things I'm working on now um, okay. to see how we can do that because, you know, the... Because you are the CEO of policy works too i am yes that's pretty impressive um i wanted to talk a little bit about that um what's the pressure (laughs) (laughs) it's immense (laughs) what's the pressure like i mean um yeah let's start with that i mean did you you know so with copeta you were also the ceo i was so tell us a little bit about your ceo world (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, it's, I mean, it's been a journey uh-huh. at Copera, you know, I was, I was the CEO for about five years, um, prior to that as a VP of the company and, you know, kind of grew up with, with the company. I was uh-huh. one of the first people hired by yeah. Warren and Max yeah. way mm-hmm. back when. And, mm-hmm. um, so it was awesome to, 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 to just be along for that journey and then have the opportunity to lead it. Um, and it, I mean, like with anything, I'm still learning through yeah. this. I, you know, I, and it's something I love to do. Um, I don't think you can never, you, you can never know everything, um, but certainly learned a lot through my experience at Copera, um, you know, working in an organization that was essentially a startup uh, where we didn't have a lot when I first started. And, yeah. and, you know, we were able to build that over time. And, you know, I had the great, you know, direction and mentorship of Warren, mm-hmm. um, which, 
you know, just made everything seem possible, um, right. which was just awesome. And, and of course, you know, he unfortunately passed away, which mm-hmm. was just really devastating for, yeah. you know, for me personally, for everybody that knew him, for the credit the union industry, right? the community, you yeah. got it. Um, he left a very lasting legacy. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'll forever be grateful to him for that. Um, yeah. And I, I learned a lot from him as a leader. Um you know, looking at, at we, what we were able to do at Copera um, was, you know, s- spread awareness of this huge opportunity and yeah. work with, you know, more and more credit unions every year and, and being the only organization in the industry to do what we did, um, you know, uh, just bringing awareness to to CUNA, to these national associations and, and other industry groups uh, to, to work together and to collaborate on this as um, as a broader industry was, was an awesome experience. And, mm. um, so I, you know, brought that knowledge over to policy works, obviously different setup, um, we're still working with credit unions, but offering different services. And at the same time, we're still helping solve problems like we did at Copera, right? Um, we're working directly with the business. It is a bit of a larger organization. Mm. Um, you know, we work with more credit unions. We have, a bigger team that's doing this, I'd say, you know, the pressure, um, is similar growing. How do you grow an organization? How do you stay relevant? Um, we're largely a services organization. So, you know, how do we, um, look at opportunities to, to bring in new offerings, maybe through, you know, technology and, Mm. um, uh, you know, everybody's thinking about technology and it's something our credit unions are thinking about as well. So how we, how do we stay ahead of, of them and and their needs? And those are some of the things that I'm working on now. So there's constant pressure, but it's good. It's a good challenge for me. And you know, it, it's something I was I was really interested in in taking on and continuing to to learn and grow in my my leadership journey too. Do you share some of the struggles that a lot of uh, women do as far as you know the pay gap uh, or um, just the fact that you're a woman and I mean I'm assuming you find yourself in a room full of men. Has that happened? <laughs> oh yeah. Is there experiences? throughout like my what, career? Yeah. What is your lens? Tell me. A little bit about that yeah like. i mean I, I, there, there's bits and pieces of that yes um you know it's interesting about sometimes being the only woman i mean at times i've been not only the only woman in a room but the youngest person in the room and the only minority in a right. room right so <laughs> it's like okay um and so the you know minority I've, I've, of the <laughs> you got it yes actually <laughs> so i've never been afraid to take on a new challenge and, yeah. and to be in that setting now has it been intimidating at times and especially early on in my career? Yes. Um, and you know, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. Um, but yes, I mean, I'll go back to, to Copera at times I would be presenting to a whole room of like a board of directors and not only are they all men, but they're all older too. And you know, maybe they all come from rural Iowa and you're talking to them about serving immigrants, people who they may not interact with every day. They may have certain perceptions. And so here you are, this woman who is Latina, who is an immigrant, you know, so I've, I've had a lot of those scenarios and, um, they they've been good. They've been good challenges for me. Did you have to like me. pump yourself up sometimes? <laughs> sometimes, yeah. yes, or restrain myself from saying things like, you know, I mean, I've heard it all from, you know, well, why would we serve somebody who's illegal or they're illegal? Right. And they're, oh, and, and, yeah. So yes, I mean, you you know, being professional and yet yeah. um, educating you has been an like, art. 
put and your yes your ego or uh your feelings almost aside right for sure yeah for the bigger cause of of educating yeah. and providing awareness because sometimes they didn't even see me as part of the the population right hmm. it's like i was different and yeah. i'm like no well here's my story i'm actually you know the people you're talking about um yeah. so just lots of fear around that um you know, in, in, in other settings, yes, and it continues to happen where I might be the only woman. And yeah. I mean, we're talking about, um, you know, different business strategy and, and that doesn't bother me um, anymore. And, and if anything, I try to embrace it. Probably early o- earlier on in my career, I was less hesitant to, to, to talk about being different or to share my stories because they, they were different than everybody's, yeah. right? So, I mean, I remember settings where we'd be chit-chatting about something um, and people would talk about, you know, gr- their experiences growing up and, you know, they'd go to camp and, you know, they'd go skiing and <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. You know, I was I translating. Had, <laughs> I was translating. We yeah. moved around like 20 times yeah. when I was growing up. I mean, you know, my, my dad was the primary provider in our house. We had one car. So, yeah. you know... I didn't want to share those things because I'm like, I felt ashamed about them yeah. and different, right? Yeah. Um, There's a little bit of that that comes with it, right? Like yes. this uh, shame, like you say, it's embarrassment. It's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it's nobody. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm less than, I felt less than everyone yes. else. And then over time that's changed to actually, that's a really good thing yes. because it exposes people to something they may not have ever been exposed yeah. to before. And you need to talk about it. You need to share it so that they can hear it. And guess what? I mean, I, that was a, there was a business out of that, right. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, an yeah. opportunity to do that. So I've embraced that over time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, just another kind of story recently. So uh-huh. right when I took uh, the policy works job, you know, my husband and I found out that we were pregnant. Yeah. I was like, Oh man. And you know, obviously that, that wasn't necessarily planned, but my immediate reaction was, you know, Oh my gosh, you know, what, what are people going to think? Are, are people going to think that, you know, I'm, I took this job, but now I'm going to be gone. And you know, that I'm not going to be a hundred percent committed to it. That yeah. was just like a natural reaction in my head. Yeah. That was going to be my like follow up question. Was there any, when, uh, not fear but like oh like are they gonna want to let me go is that what what there was what a little i mean you, you know and and it was nothing i could control but that those were immediately my thoughts i'm like wow you know when i tell you know my boss and when yeah. i tell my team what are they gonna think and i i mean i think that's that's maybe the perception that we have as women right, um, yeah. where it you know again choosing to have a family you think about the work impact of that right and and i shouldn't have thought that because that wasn't it was a natural thing to think but i knew the reaction was cultural mentality that that, i mean from the past you know i mean i can you imagine a woman saying that they're pregnant in the 60s or 50s or oh my gosh i I can only imagine if they're even in the business world right back then let alone choosing to start a family maybe um you know it was it was something that immediately came to my head and um you know i have a, a super supportive you know team and and you know our ceo murray williams is just awesome that mm. that that wasn't an issue by any means i mean everybody was happy for yeah, me but yeah, in my yeah. head i was like oh my gosh you know are people going to think this and yeah. part of it maybe it's like a work ethic thing for me i'm like yeah. you know i i don't know so but i equate that to I'm sure a man wouldn't think that, you yes. know what I mean? No, so not at all. <laughs> it's like, yes. Is it, is it 
shifting. I mean, with all this stuff that's been happening with these movements of the women, uh, Me Too movements and, uh, you know, what, advocating for equal pay. Do you feel that uh, that shifting? Is it is it progressing as, as fast as it should? Well, you know, I'd say equal pay is one, but even just representation, right? Mm -hmm. And I think about representation of, of women and even beyond that, you know, minority women and minorities in general. You know, I think about the industries that I'm in. We have a ways to go to yeah. be truly diverse and inclusive. I think we're making strides. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot being done to grow the diversity of membership at credit unions. But mm -hmm. when you look at the leadership... Okay. And you look at, you know, boards of directors, you look at the management level of various organizations, you don't see a lot of minorities, let alone minority women. Oh, uh, so we have a ways to go there. And I mean, I do think it starts with representation. And beyond that, it's about inclusivity. So, you know, initiatives like diversifying membership are good, but leadership needs to be more intentional about right. it as well because you can say you're for it but if you don't do anything about it yeah. it doesn't change anything is that what kind of keeps the fire lit yes i mean like there's still more work to be done kind oh of for thing. sure for sure i mean i'm a i'm a huge advocate and i mean i think the you know just being able to 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 be present in you know at a leadership level mm -hmm. hopefully brings some level of awareness of you know the fact that you know there we need more people that are minorities and in, in in these positions so i'm hoping we can do something by even just being at the table right to share a different perspective so that folks can see the benefit of that but i do think that yes um it, it drives me because more can be done yeah and last question yeah <laughs> um so how's motherhood <laughs> <laughs> motherhood is awesome it is it's a journey and it's, how old uh, is your baby she is almost five months five months yes uh and her name is her name is abigail elise abigail yes so five months because we i started bugging you like nine <laughs> months <laughs> when you were pregnant you were like i'm about to have a baby after so you are good though you are persistent <laughs> in, in a nice way <laughs> okay cool, cool cool i don't want to be annoying but i i figured like you know if i'm gonna have a conversation um with people that you know, so I, you were one of the first ones that I, that I thought of. So, oh, um, so balancing that motherhood mm -hmm. with CEO, how, <laughs> yeah. tell me a little I'm bit still about working that. on it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a work in progress, you know, every day, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's amazing to think you, you know, there's this little human being yeah. that you are, you know, shaping and, you know, they're, they're growing alongside you and, you're exposing to the world and you know you're raising to be a good human being yeah. so i think about that every day and like what does that mean and my husband and i will talk about it and actually he just ordered a couple parenting books right so <laughs> last night we were like okay let's each read a chapter and then we're going to talk about what we're reading right how to uh, raise successful yeah. children and that type of thing and i'm like and i know you can overdo it there because i think about my upbringing and you know the things that are recommended for parents now i'm like I don't know that my parents did any of that, yeah. you know, and I feel like I turned out okay. So yeah. I'm like, I don't want to overdo it, but I, I want to be educated around what options It's harder we to have. be a parent nowadays, I yes. believe. Yes. There's so much information. You're exp I believe that if you want to uh, reaffirm a certain thing that you want to do, you can, you can find something oh, yes. that will say, yep, you're doing the right thing. And then you'll turn around or click <laughs> somewhere else. And then somebody's like, that's the worst thing you can yes. do. So it's like our parents were just like, 
we gotta keep you alive and give you some shelter and get yes, it you know that's yes, pretty much it like yes. keep you alive shelter and shut up and as soon as you can speak english interpret no, yes right? so throw on responsibility yes but there's something about that right i mean yeah. dealing with hardship like that that yeah. i do think is important yes. for kids so i mean balancing that and then thinking about growing you know the organization that i'm leading and, yeah. and how do you balance and when do you you know kind of switch off time to yeah. i mean so it's click. a constant you thing got, yeah you gotta click from one to another yes and like yes and you want to expect it to yes. i guess and you come home and you want to take advantage of the time you have with your child yeah. right because they've been at daycare all day and yeah. you only have a certain amount of time with them and yeah so um you know same with weekends um so you know, every day is a balance. I, you yeah. know, we talk about work-life balance. Is it ever equal every day, every minute of the day? No. I yeah. mean, you know, there's give and take every single day. And I mean, luckily I have an awesome husband too, yeah. who, you know, is, couldn't be more caring and, and, and invested in, yeah. you know, our family that I don't know how single parents do it, for right. example. Y you know, I mean, we only have one child and it's, yeah. it's a lot, yes. but <laughs> and yeah, multiple no. kids. It's uh, so. it's amazing. I've throughout my last 15 years in staffing and um, I've interviewed hundreds of single moms yeah. and um, I'm just like, how do you know? Amazing. How do they like do it? my, so, yeah. I, so there's some luxuries that we now have or, um, yeah, luxuries, privileges, whatever you want to call it, that uh, a lot of people are not, you know, they don't have that, you know. Yeah. Um, when we had the kids, you know, Lada was able to stay home. I see it on when I'm interviewing people uh, that they don't have, they got to get up at five in the morning yes. to take their kids to daycare or the babysitter to be at work at six in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, so. Um, well, that and even, so I'm on the, I was just, listening to a commercial from the food bank of iowa and i sit on the board of the food bank of iowa and today's commercial um actually had a single mom on there talking about you know the struggles of of every day so let alone you know i mean work but you know being able to to feed your family and she talked about some days you have to pick and choose whether you choose to pay the power bill right. or you know yeah. feed your family so yeah, yeah. You take it to the extreme and yes i mean i consider you know myself and i consider ourselves very blessed yeah but it's not the same for everyone and it's yeah. good to remember that yes 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 well god i think <laughs> we can talk forever <laughs> i think um, so yes <laughs> maybe we need a follow-up yeah 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 like 2.0 <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much for coming um and congratulations on your beautiful child oh thank you and uh, thank you for being uh carrying on that that work you know that um that needs to be done in order for like our community and immigrants period to kind of feel and be uh um represented serviced and and you know um uh, advocated for so i appreciate it thank all you right. well thank, thank you, you. Yes. all right and go and uh i told you it was going to be a good one yes it's they're always good by the way i'm serious yeah believe me <laughs> believe me <laughs> i know <laughs> You know, like, they're always good. Believe me, I know. I know more than anybody does. <laughs> no one knows more than No one me. knows more than Amner. Yeah, no one does. <laughs> no one knows more about podcasting than me in the history Nobody, of in podcasting. In the history of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember when uh, we had to translate for your mom? I usually, you know, you know what? I, 
I'm glad that you did that bit because uh, I often wonder, like, dude, like, would I be a better, you know, business person if I just, you know, talk like that? Like, this is going to be the best salsa yeah. night ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you will never gonna, see another uh, salsa night. You will never night. see another salsa night. Like, this is going to be spectacular. Yeah. I wonder if, like, uh, that kind of... Man, that sells, man. Yeah, I guess you know that's like, uh, but nobody knows more than me though. Nobody knows more salsa. <laughs> like after me. this, give up on like, salsa. Nobody <laughs> knows. Believe me, I know. Believe me, I know that I know. <laughs> I know that 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 I know that. He yeah, knows. that sells, man. But do you remember when um, you had to translate for your parents? Not really. You never had to do yeah, that. Not really. No, I mean my mom only pretends to not know. Okay, so she knows enough to. No, dude, like she speaks uh, pretty fluently. Right. Yeah. One time, like oh, she yeah. bought dialed me. She bought dialed me, uh-huh. and she was talking to somebody at work, and she was like, "Why well, you no have insurance?" You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> I'm listening to this fucking voice, and I'm like, "What the hell?" That's my mother. <laughs> like, like, why you not have it? You should get insurance. Berating you know, somebody like, for not having yeah, insurance. Yeah, like, you should get insurance. <laughs> like, just, She's talking to somebody at work. Yeah. I'm like, dude, she's like, you know, trying to conceal this uh, ability for many, many years. And then and then she would ask you or your sisters to She's go. She's like, no, you call them. You call them. <laughs> like, but they have did you them. ever call her and like, hey, I know you. Yeah, know. no, I did. And then she, like, she'll be just in denial, like, no, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, you're fucking crazy. Even though you heard this, this. Yeah, like this, I heard, this. like you butt dialed me on my cell phone, and I heard you, and like you recorded a long ass voicemail, <laughs> and you like said full sentences. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah it's uh, rough, man. It's rough <laughs> being lied to yeah. by your own mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, sorry. Like we. No, we that was uh, something. Uh, no, we, 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 it was on the conversation where she, you know, she had to translate for her, for, um, her parents, you know, for everything. And right. We did that. Um, I have a brother and two sisters, so we shared our, um, duties, but yeah, it's true. You know, like, I think a lot of, uh, immigrant children share that experience that they are like 10 and they're like translating about some serious important <laughs> situations yeah like, yeah like hey mom he said that if you don't pay the electric bill <laughs> in yeah five days, yeah they're gonna shut it off yeah <laughs> yeah so um it's, yeah, it it's makes you grow up that's for sure quick. it makes you grow up yeah it, it makes you grow up makes you up pretty quick yeah 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 it, it she's the oldest of her siblings and i mean i'm not the oldest you're the youngest yeah well, Almost. your sister, yeah. I'm the youngest, but, like, my brother, you know, he had to grow up super quick, you know. Like, he had to be an adult by 13. But we're also different from a different time. And my teacher was like, all right, no more fucking around, dude. Like, you got to turn in your yeah. your homework clean. I don't want to see, like, no, like, lead stains. Yeah. You know, like. And if it was dirty, like, they would rip it in front of you. rip it and throw it back at you. Yeah, yeah. Like, one one of my. Spotless. One of my teachers said to one of my, one of my, uh, uh, you know, classmates, like, like, what foot did you write this (laughs) with? 
acceptable. <laughs> Which foot did you use? Your left foot or your right foot? <laughs> did you use your left foot to write this? This is unacceptable. Yeah. Do it again. I think I think before it was you know, it's different times, so people are seeing things. It different. is different times. No, I, that's what I'm saying that I realize it's different times, but mm -hmm. still, like, I can't. But you help, do like, sound like an old fart yeah, because you're like, of, back in the day, yeah, in those times. And then, like, being sick doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, you're old. Uh, I guess, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you like, you keep yourself pretty young. Go with the waves. Go with the waves. <laughs> go with the waves. The waves come and go, and they're like, you're right there with the waves. Go with the waves. I'm like, and then the waves go for me, and then, like, they go. Mm. Nice stay in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. All right. That was episode anyway, 18. Episode 18. Medium de Dios Woodward. Thank you very much uh, to Medium. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you guys soon.